Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we're so glad to have you with us, as always, here in the House of Faith. Today, we're getting ready to take you back into family night. If you've never been a part of family night before, you need to know this. We're family. If you're born again, then you and I have the same father. Jesus is our brother. He is our Lord and our Savior. That makes us family, and we are a part of the household of faith. And for months now, all the way back towards the beginning of the year, we've been talking about the crossroads, standing at these intersections in life, needing to know what direction to take. And I'm so thankful that according to the word of God, that's where God put the spirit of wisdom crying out to us, make this turn. And I believe today we're going to begin wrapping that series up. And I don't want you to miss this. And I want you to make plans to stay with it for the next several weeks because we're going to be unfolding some pretty big things, talking about some big change in the weeks to come. So don't miss what's coming up. Right now, I want you to get your Bible and get ready to join us for Family Night. Watch this and be blessed. In the book of Proverbs chapter one, if you've got your Bible, go there with me tonight. And while you're flipping, you can also find um, Mark chapter 10. But let's start in Proverbs one tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Proverbs chapter one, it says in verse 20 that wisdom calls aloud outside. Who's calling aloud? Answer that for me. Wisdom is. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. We've looked at the amplified translation of this together for weeks and months now, but it essentially says the same thing, but I like the way the amplified puts it. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, raises her voice in the markets. At the heads of the noisy intersections is where wisdom is crying out. We've been talking for months about being in that place right there in those intersections. And what is an intersection? Just a place where two paths meet and you have a choice to make about what direction you're going to be going. And I'm so thankful that that's where God put his wisdom that he didn't hide it somewhere at the top of some mountain. We've talked about that. He didn't put it in some faraway place that to make you seek it out, search it out, and strive to find it. He put his wisdom out there in the street, out there in the markets, there in the intersections. Why? Because that's where we are. That's where we're living life. And there's really nothing sacred. There's nothing holy, Sarah, about any of these locations. The only thing that makes them significant is that's where we're living life. And that's where God put his wisdom. And we've been talking so much about specifically the wisdom of God that cries out in those intersections. And I want to remind you again, as we're talking about the wisdom of God, that this is one of the things that so defined and characterized and marked the ministry of Jesus that absolutely astounded people. When you and I think about his ministry here on this earth, one of the things we so quickly think of is the miracles, the miracles, the miracles, right? And the messages that he preached. And of course, all of those things pointed straight to who he was and where he was from. But one of the things that I think we miss so, so much of the time is what so astonished people was the wisdom that came out of his mouth. The scripture tells us that. They said, where does he get this wisdom? And it was in 
times like that, they said, we know who you are. We know where you're from. Your family's from down the street here. But where do you get this wisdom? In other words, we, we know where you're from, but these words sound like they're coming from somewhere else. Well, they thought they knew where he was from. But this is one of the things that so characterized his life and his ministry. Should it be any different for us? I mean, I'm looking forward to that time when people hear me speak and say, we know where you're from, but those words sound like they're coming from somewhere else. That doesn't sound like you. That sounds, you know, smart or something. But uh, this kind of wisdom is available to us. Proverbs tells us it's the principal thing, instructs us to go get it, go get understanding. Well, if wisdom is so crucial to live in our lives, the next question ought to be, where is it? Right? You want me to go get it? Where do I go? And these are the places that wisdom is located, right there in the streets, in the markets, and at those intersections. And for months, we've been talking about that crossroads and hearing the voice of the wisdom of God crying out to us in the crossroads. And how many months now have we been talking about this? Since January, now we're almost to May, tonight as we're recording this. So we're talking four or five months now we've been talking about this. And just a couple of weeks ago when you and I were in uh, Alma, Arkansas, Beyond Church, I, I, I had sensed the Lord saying, go back over it again, go back over it again. And I was sitting there at the house that night getting ready to preach it. And I saw something in this that even after all these months of looking at this verse over and over again, I saw it and I thought, man, how did I miss this before? And to me, it was so simple, yet it was so profound. And I went back and looked at it and realized wisdom is doing what? Calling aloud, raising her voice, crying out. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Evidently, God wants you to have this. I'm sorry if that's way too simple for you tonight, but that really helped me when I realized that he's not hiding something from me. He, he wants me to have this so much so that he would put wisdom right in the place where I need it the most and have wisdom crying out, Jeremy, Jeremy, turn here, change directions, change course, course correct right here, right now. And I'm so grateful that that's where God put his wisdom. And, and we've talked so much about how to not miss these turns in these intersections, why people miss these turns because they got bad directions, they're moving too quick, got easily distracted, don't like being told how to drive. I mean, we've, we've talked about all these things. Tonight, I believe, unless the Lord leads us in some other different way over the next few weeks and months, I believe we're gonna wrap this part of it up tonight. And I wanna do that by going together to the book of Mark, chapter 10. And I want to read some of this briefly to you, and then we want to tell you guys some of the good things that are happening in our life and in this ministry. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says, <clears throat> Now as he was going out on the road. Everybody say, on the road. On the road. Now this is talking about Jesus, but, but there's no word in Scripture that is without significance, okay? Don't let the details of this pass you by. Where is he? He's on the road. Now, what do we already know from the scripture we looked at like 14 seconds ago? What else is out there in the road? What else is out there in the street? The wisdom of God. And Jesus was going out on the road and one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So get the picture again. Jesus is where? On the road. And here comes one 
running. So you get the sense of urgency that this guy is coming to Jesus with, right? He comes running. He comes sliding in there on his knees and he knelt before him. And he said to him, good teacher, if you couple this with some of the other accounts, he said, good teacher, what good thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Now, if you fast forward to the end of this whole encounter, what you know about this guy is that he's rich. He's got some stuff. The Bible actually says he had great possessions. If the Bible says you have great possessions, you got great possessions. But it's interesting to know that about him and still see this void on the inside. He's coming with this urgency, this expectancy, and he's come to the right place. He's come to the right person. He's running to Jesus, kneels down before him. Why? Because all this stuff evidently doesn't satisfy. Now, I know we're sitting up in here with our Bibles on our laps going, mm-hmm, that's good, amen, the stuff doesn't satisfy. But do you really believe that? Do I, Sarah? Do we really believe that there is not any physical or natural or material or financial thing that could satisfy on the inside? I mean, do we really actually believe that? Or if we were to go back and take stock and inventory of how much of our thought life is given to what we don't have and what we wish we did have. Because if we did have it, it would do this for us and everything would be okay. But it can't satisfy. It can't satisfy. It couldn't satisfy then and it can't satisfy now. So he's come to the right place and what's he in search of? eternal life. So Jesus talks to him. They have a conversation. I won't get into all of this tonight, but when the, the young guy said to Jesus, you know, all these things that you're talking about, I've kept all these things from my youth. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him. So whatever Jesus is about to say is coming out of this place of love. And he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But notice what happened in verse 22. He was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. So again, help me out. Where did this whole thing go down? Where did all of this take place? On the road. Whether this guy realizes it or not, he is in the intersection of all the intersections in life, this is the biggest, the greatest intersection that any human has ever found themselves in, where they have heard Jesus, who is and was the embodiment of the wisdom of God, crying out to them in that intersection saying, follow me. Now what's interesting is when you look this word, follow me, you look that up, it literally means take the same road I'm taking. It's a compound word. I don't claim to understand all this, but one of the words means unity and the other word means road. In other words, same road. Come get on this road that I'm on. So this guy comes from his direction, whether he realizes it or not, he's in an intersection and he's come to the right place and the voice of the wisdom of God says, let's go this way. But what happened? He went, the scripture said, away. Can you see all the directional things that are taking place just right here in this? 
Jesus is headed this way. This guy comes to the intersection. Jesus says, let's go this way. Follow me. I've got the thing you're looking for. But he went away, completely missed his turn right there in that intersection. And what caused him to miss it was not understanding how much this invitation from Jesus was actually worth. And he put the goodness of having some stuff up on the same level as the goodness of an invitation from Jesus to follow him and take this road. And he decided the stuff was more valuable. And he went away sad. Now, I wish that this guy had just hung around for even just a few more minutes because this is what he would have heard. Jesus talked to his disciples a little bit about it. He, he, he said, look, it's, it's hard to get a rich man, one who trusts in riches, to enter into the kingdom of God. And, but then he added to it, with men it's impossible, but, with, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Somebody say left all. Yes. Left all. Can you imagine being Peter or any one of the other disciples standing there and watching this whole thing go down? I mean, after their encounter with Jesus, after their experience with him, and you got to go back and remember what that was. They were out in a boat. They were just doing what they do at work. And Jesus approached them and said the same thing to them that he said to this guy. Yeah. Two words, follow me. Come get on this road I'm on. And their response, I mean, you could not get more opposite to what we just saw here in this intersection. Peter and the boys left everything on the spot. How? Why? I don't know, actually. But there was a draw coming out of the eyes, coming out of the mouth, and coming out of the heart of Jesus that so grabbed their heart. And really the only other information they had from him was, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And we have the luxury of 2,000 years of going, oh, okay, I get that. Fishers of men, right? We're, we're souls being saved and all that. Can you imagine hearing that for the first time? What's that mean? That's just cryptic. What's that even mean? Fishers of men. Peter's like, I don't know, but I'm going, man. I am on my way. And he left all. He left that net, the Bible says. He left the boat. Other guys left their family, their father in the boat. And they left everything and followed Jesus. So imagine having that experience in your life and then watching, the, watching somebody else get that same two-word invitation and standing there thinking to yourself, wow, watch what's about to happen. This guy's about to get his world absolutely rocked and changed and things are going to be different from here on out, buddy, man. You're going to get what you came for. And then all of a sudden that guy turns around and walks away sad. You can hear it in Peter's voice. We, we left everything and followed you left all and followed you. And this is what Jesus said in response to that. And I wish that that guy who had some stuff had hung around just long enough to hear Jesus say this in verse 29. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, watch this now, for my sake and the gospels, for my sake and the gospels, motivated by Jesus' sake 
and the preaching and the establishing of the gospel. And Jesus said, nobody's left anything for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now. Come on, shout it out. Now, now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and lands with persecution, and in the age to come, what? Eternal life. The thing that guy came running to Jesus to find. And he decided that the stuff outweighed the life. He decided stuff was more valuable than life. And if he had just hung around for a few minutes, he would have found out. This is what I want to say to you tonight. He would have found out that leaving something is not losing something. Are you with me? See, when Jesus said, go sell what you've got, give to the poor and come follow me, he heard that, but immediately he thought, you mean I got to lose all of this? But that's not the thought at all because Jesus just moments later explained, hey, leaving something's not losing something. And he used this terminology to describe what would happen. He said, you would receive now in this time a hundredfold. That's, that's agriculture. That's that's what we talk about when reaping in a harvest. So evidently, leaving something's not losing something. Leaving something is sowing something. This guy had it all wrong. And Jesus replied to Peter and said, there's nobody, you included, that's ever left anything for my sake in the Gospels that will not receive, what, way on out there in heaven in eternity? No, now. Now in this time, a hundredfold. If, and here's the big key, if they're motivated by His sake and the Gospels. Mm -hmm. This scripture, babe, in Mark 10, 29, and 30, I mean, how many years would you say this has been our life scripture? Well, I'd say right before Justice was born, so nine years. Yeah, at eight, least. Uh, ten years. I yeah, getting close years. to yeah. ten years. Sarah and I, when we got married, uh, met and got married in 2007, most of you know the story. It was a whirlwind romance. Met. Three months later, we were engaged. Three months after that, we were married. And that was almost 12 years ago now. And the Lord did an amazing thing when He gave me her. Uh, and it has been an awesome road since then. But when we got married, we never even lived in the same state until we got home from our honeymoon. And as soon as we got home, we went to work together in the ministry. I was a youth pastor for my parents in their church at Eagle Mountain Church in Fort Worth. I had been for about four years. Then we got married. We youth pastored together for a couple of years. And then shortly after that, uh, we began traveling full time uh, for my grandparents' ministry, Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And we were going into churches and ministering in churches and, and being a part of conferences and seeing places around the world and really loving it, really having a wonderful, wonderful time. We loved it. And to be honest with you, I never, I never really imagined that there'd be something other than that. I grew up in a house and in a family where we were very dedicated to the call and the assignment on my grandparents, the, the, the patriarchs, if you will, of our family, and their obedience to step out now over 50 years ago 
and obedience to the call of God on their lives. And, and man, everybody in my family, they had their place in that ministry. And, and I felt like we had ours and um, wasn't really looking for anything else. But on the night before Thanksgiving, 2009, Sarah and I were just laying in bed in that first little house we owned together and laying in bed one night, it was dark in the room. We were staring up at the ceiling and we just started talking. And I don't, I, I don't remember any conversations about this before that time, but we just started talking out loud and dreaming out loud about having our own. And I'll be honest with you, they were, we were saying things I wasn't totally sure I was allowed to be saying. <laughs> Is this okay? Should I be whispering? I mean, we're talking about stepping out here. We're talking about talking about not being employed at this ministry anymore. And, and I'll be real honest with you, when you work for mom and dad and Mimi and Papa, there's a certain level of job security that you feel like you enjoy. Um, but the Lord began talking to us and this conversation she and I were having quit being Jeremy and Sarah talking to each other and it started being Jesus speaking to me through her and through her to me. And we began to hear the voice of the Lord coming out of each other. And that's something that husbands and wives, we've got to develop in. There's got to be enough. I have got to have enough reverence and respect for the grace and the call and the anointing of God on this woman to know when it's Sarah talking to me and know when it's Jesus talking through her and the Holy Spirit and the word of the Lord coming out of her. Now, I love it when it's Sarah, but when it's Jesus, it's, it, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's worthy of respect and honor. The same thing's true going both ways. And that's what was happening that night. And uh, you, can, you can talk about what you remember that from that night, but I just remember talking about land. I remember talking about like having our own like expansive place. We talked about being up in the mountains somewhere where it was almost like a ranch and we just had land where, where we could raise our family and we could have our own ministry and we could have people that serve God with us and we could have places where other ministers could come and, and get refreshed and get built up and get strengthened. And, and that night we began talking about things that, well, go ahead. No, well, we just, I think we saw the vision for the first time and it was just a perfect picture of what God was seeing for us. And it got so big in us that what we were doing wouldn't satisfy us anymore. And you kind of come up to that point, like, I'm either going to stay where I'm at and I'm just going to live and I'm just going to, um, what, what's the word? Um, sort of exist. Exist yeah. and just keep living or I'm going to go after something that's more than what I'm just currently stuck in. And um, we were thankful. We, we loved what we did. We were happy. But there just came a point where that vision and that call got bigger than what we were doing. And we had to just go for it. And if we didn't, we were going to be not satisfied with life. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. 
You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.